it's really your business right in the middle of this circle is made up of six components, your vision, the data, the process, the issues. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. Every company has an operating system, whether it has a name or not. That system is the way a company organizes all of its human energy. It's the way that people in the organization meet, solve problems, plan, prioritize, follow processes, communicate, measure, structure, clarify roles, lead, and manage. It's hard to understand the operating systems of most companies because the leadership teams aren't consistent in how they do the above. This inconsistency leads to poor communication, dysfunction, and employees feeling frustrated and confused about what the priorities are. Ultimately, the company never realizes its full potential. These words I just read you are from the opening chapter of a book called What the Heck is EOS by Gino Wickman and based on his other book, Traction. And they're an introduction to his platform, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which is known to most as EOS. Today, my guests are a father and son duo from a manufacturing organization that's been running EOS for a few years now. They're going to break down the components of the system and talk about the impact EOS has had on their organization. So let me introduce Joel and Luke Wittenbreaker from MacTech. Joel Wittenbreaker came to MacTech in 1994 with a finance and investment background. And as he'll tell you, now these are his words, not mine, by the way, Joel has managed to make every operational mistake possible since. Fortunately, it's a big market and world, and they never quit chasing opportunities. Effort, commitment, and passion have kept both Joel and his company MacTech moving in the right direction. Joel loves the challenge of solving problems under pressure, dealing with sharp people, and helping good things happen. Luke Wittenbreaker is a passionate, strategic, entrepreneurial leader looking to become a trendsetter in the energy industry. Luke joined MacTech in 2011 as marketing director. And as far as Joel and Luke's company, MacTech, goes, MacTech is a leader in development of on-site machining equipment and processes offering standard product supply on a sale or rental basis, specialized tool design and development, and full on-site staffed contract service to a variety of industries such as oil and gas processing, industrial cutting, subsea decommissioning, power generation, shipbuilding, and many more. Joel and Luke, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Joe. You bet. I did my first ever sort of dual interviewee episode a few weeks ago. So you're, you're the second ones doing this. And I like the dynamic of, and, and we have a father-son dynamic going on here too. So we'll, we'll, that should be very interesting as well. So excited to get into this. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. You guys can be the judge. So guys, I know that both in my world of marketing and your world of manufacturing, 
EOS or the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which is based on the book Traction by Gino Wickman is a fairly well-known platform. Some listeners right now are probably already using it inside their organizations. Others may be somewhat familiar or maybe have heard of it, but I'm sure that some right now are also thinking to themselves, wait, EO what? So I was hoping that you could maybe just start by very quickly describing in your own words, what is this whole entrepreneurial operating system or EOS thing in the first place? Go, Luke. I mean, the EO what that you just said kind of sort of hits the nail on the head for me because you dropped the word system, entrepreneurial operating system. And I'm, I'm truly a believer that it is a system to run a business off. And our business has been going for 40 years and we just started using EOS three years ago. So plenty of people out there can run a business without it and be successful. And we were successful without it, but it's helped us add a system and structure to our business that we never had before. I'm sort of looking at the EOS pizza pie, as we call it. I have to do the little Italian thing that we've discussed. And, and it's, it's really your business right in the middle of this circle is made up of six components. Your vision, the data, the process, the issues you have and the people that make up your business. And all of this creates traction, which is the last pizza pie piece in that circle graphic, which are, you know, you can dig into it in the book or within this conversation, each of those slices, but they all come together to create results within your business. And it's a system that just drives you forward every week, every month, every quarter, every year, and just keeps growing. Yeah, good good overview. Joel, anything you wanted to add to that before I, I yeah. want to get I want to get into the pizza pie in a second here, but uh, from a get into the pizza pie. From my perspective, you know, entrepreneurs and people that are driven in the business world are going to go do their thing and they're going to go try and create business and but we forgot we never took the time or whatever to build structure and build accountability. I mean, the biggest thing that I get that we have gotten that I, my view on EOS is it creates a real clear accountability and a real clear communication path that everybody in the organization knows what that means. And, when, and accountability, everybody's got org charts and stuff that shows you who reports to who or whatever, but this tells you what you're responsible for in the organization. And you owe that to the rest of the people in your organization. And it defines rule sets, but all of which are flexible. These are all guidelines. And so all of which are flexible. And then it drives around a couple of fundamentals, which is you as a, as a group need to define what your core values are. And, and those are the tenets that you live by in your business. And you have to drive everything you do around those within your business. And so if I could point to anything, I'd say it's the core values and the accountability. And then the rest is nice structures and good disciplines and good record keeping kind of systems and scorekeeping and stuff. But those are the two things that, that I've seen the most dramatic impact from. Right. Well, let's break down the pizza pie then. So there's, you know, Luke kind of hit very quickly on, on what the six components are. There's vision, data, processes, issues, people, and traction. You guys want to kind of tag team this one and, and chip away at what each of these are to make this a more tangible concept to our listeners? Sure. Sales and marketing manager, the easiest one for me to hit on first is data, scorecards, measurables, things that many companies probably do, but don't take action on is what I would put it at. Truth be told, we're having a bad scorecard week this week, and I'm already fretting about IDSing it next week, which is another 
EOS term, identify, discuss, solve a problem. So our scorecard has metrics on it that our leadership team views every, every week. We have a meeting and we view our scorecard from a sales perspective. My sales revenue is on there and we watch it weekly. And, and if, it's, if it's off, we have a weekly goal. If it's off, we, we try to do something to fix it. And I think that's a big mentality change from where we used to be, where it used to kind of be, yeah, we're tracking this and we're looking at it. And at the end of the quarter, you look and say, well, you know, we needed $3 million in revenue to hit our annual goal. We only made two. What should we do now? Whereas now it's, you know, we got to hit 272K this week in order to hit our annual goal. We hit 160K last week. What's what's up? Let's fix, let's talk it, let's talk it through with the sales team. Do something, go, you know, that's always kind of changing. Is it, is it are we making enough calls? Are we are we doing anything wrong? Was it a slow week? Was it a holiday? Was was Joe sick? Et cetera. But the the data component from watching your business weekly really changes what you do. You got you also have to understand that in the EOS system that everybody has KPI. The operations team have KPI, the admin people have KPI, and everybody is accountable for that. And those will change. I mean, we've taken things off our scorecards and added new ones, because what you want up there are what are the things that you need to know to make impact with the business? What has good impact and bad impact? It's not always issues. So, because one of the key components is celebrate the wins. I mean, you, you really have to have the vitality and excitement about it. So, this is throughout the organization and Luke's just right on stuff that you used to look back at and kind of say, well, we, we probably should have done something or maybe next time we'll do this, but it's in your face every, every Friday afternoon or every Tuesday morning, whatever you, your meeting time is. And, and it's there. It's great. It's perfect. And it's tough. It is tough. And it's hard. <laughs> you know, it, it gets tough when you miss your scorecards there to drive your business forward. And it gets tough sometimes when you miss it or miss it multiple weeks in a row and you're trying to fix it. But just to end on that data component, Joel will like this, a little father-son dynamic. I think it's either in the traction book or in a blog post, but it's the leadership scorecard is is your, if your CEO who's sitting below me on this screen is sitting on a beach drinking pina coladas somewhere and a bottle washes up on the shore with just your scorecard on it, he should be able to look at that, look at those eight or nine metrics and understand how his business is doing without talking to anyone, without picking up the phone, without anything. He should be able to look at eight metrics a week and say, my business is doing good. I'm going to keep drinking or my business is doing bad. I'm going to hop on the next jet home and try to fix something. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to look at it. I, I love the, it just gives you a pulse at all moments on, are you going in the right direction? It's different types of numbers than what you look at in your P&L, you know, monthly or at the end of the quarter. Mm -hmm. it's, they're like more leading indicators of, are there problems that we need to fix or things that we need to address before they become a major problem, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Good. Yeah, exactly. Instead of, instead of looking back and trying to fix things that went wrong, yeah. it, it's hopefully they are indicators. Good. Well, let's move on to the next piece of the pie. Well, that's that. So that's, that's my piece, I think. So I'm going to clearly steal the vision one because my role in the EOS program is from what I'm responsible to the organization, from my point of view, from a day-to-day -day point of view is significantly less than when we adopted this. And significantly less doesn't mean less important, I hope. Maybe it is, but I hope it's not. 
but it's what I'm responsible for operationally. And that's very little, that's nothing. My job is to be the visionary. And that means I really, we get back to people, everybody has a number in the organization. I'm supposed to think of 10 things that can have impact to the organization. My role is to maintain the culture of the organization and drive that. And my role is to really help be responsible for major impact relationships. What resources does the organization need to do that? Or can I help personally? So it's really, you, you create this vision about who you are and what you are and what are your core values and what are your core focus and what's the three uniques about your business. And you make sure you drive that through the organization and everybody shares the same thing. And the tough part when you adopt EOS is you find that, and every company has it, you find people in your organization that don't meet your core values, but you say, you know, but he's been here a long time and he's really good to take care of such and such. And you're, you're kind of making excuses, but you run the business based on your vision and your scorecard and your core values. And those problems weed themselves out because those people don't fit anymore and new people are gathered around the same deal. So and I'm not trying to talk like it's a, it's a sorting or weeding process, but it's just cool that three years later that how many people are totally on board and have the same vision. And, and so it's really about sharing these. There are eight directives it says in there, and it's about, it really ties back to the pizza wheel and stuff like that. But it's more about getting everybody on board and sharing the open and honest communication, which is one of the real tenets that I think the EOS makes it work. And it's tough for organization. It's tough for like sole proprietors or really tight entrepreneurs. It really helps a lot if you'll share company data throughout the organization. We we go pretty far. We don't share P and full PL, but we share about everything else throughout the organization. So everybody's on board. And that and that's makes it a shared vision. Yeah, I think shared by all sits right under that bullet point of vision. And the Joel basically just talked about it, but the biggest part of that is the VTO. Mm-hmm. Okay? Call it, which is your vision traction organizer. And all it is is a two page document that uh, I, I just pulled it up now because everybody in our company has access to it. And I, we just created a new one. So I don't, I usually have it printed on my wall right yeah. here. So I'm always staring at it and everybody's always staring at it. And that's a really good thing because all it is is first page is your vision, it's your core values, which everybody in our shop, if you walked up to them, could list off. I like to snap just like that. You know, it's our, it's our core focus, our purpose and our reason for being here in this world. We create solutions using on-site innovations. Again, everybody could list that off. Our core target, our marketing strategy, and then it goes into our three-year picture. Where do we want to be revenue-wise in 2023? And what does it look like? How are we going to get there? And we might not do, all, we have 15 things on this list that we think we need to do in the next three years to be as this size company in three years. And we might do half of those, but these are, these are goals we're trying to set and achieve to, to get there. And the next page is, is getting, digging down deeper. It's just your traction page, your, the T of the VTO. What's your, what's our one-year plan and what are our seven goals for the year that we're going to take on to get there? And those are sales goals, operational goals, administration goals, and then your three-month plan in Q1. How are we going to get there? How are we going to succeed in Q1 to get to our year yearly goal? So these aren't, this isn't a leadership document that's 
encompassed between Joel and myself as the sales and marketing leader and our operations manager. This gets launched to everybody and it's public and everybody can look at it at any point in time and say, you know, what does it look like? Well, we need six trained metrology operators, which may mean nothing to you, Joe, but you know, maybe someone's looking at that and says, hey, I just met this guy on site. He's a metrologist and he's looking for a job. And all of a sudden now we have an additional one because someone knows that in three years we're targeted towards looking for someone like that instead of just keeping all this information in a tight-knit leadership team. It's public to everybody. Yeah, it's great, great summary, guys. And that, that tool, we'll link to it in the show notes, which you can find online. I mean, you can just Google search Vision Traction Organizer or VTO, and you'll, you'll find it all over the place. But it's a really great tool. It's like a two-page business plan, I think is how Gino Wickman, the, the author of Traction, described it. And you know, a couple of things I, I really love before we go to the next piece of the pie, you know, it takes that that 10-year vision where you're kind of dreaming a little bit. You're saying, this is where we, we want this company to be in 10 years or, you know, you whether it's 10 or 20 or whatever, but 10 year target. And then you break it all down. It's like, okay, in the, in the next three years, now you start to get a little more specific and you put, you put you know, revenue and profitability numbers to it. Like how, where, where do we want to be in three years? And then it starts to get really tangible. You know, what's, what are we doing this year? What are we doing this quarter? What? And so, because I think it's easy to say, this is where we want to be in 10 or three years. And everybody's like, okay, great, let's do it. But this really breaks down how you are going to get there every single step of the way. It creates accountability for it. So big fan of that tool. Absolutely. And your vision can change. You, you stated your, you just stated your 10 year picture is this big vision. And I think any organization or anybody listening should know that that might change a year from now. And it has, it has changed for us. We had sort of big dreams of this adding a bunch of people and creating a bunch of revenue and a year into that plan sort of realized we were, we were really happy being sort of a mid-sized business that makes good money and makes customers happy and sort of shifted our long-term plan. Yeah, it was a complete pivot, basically, and in, in the best sense of the word. So it was really good. And the traction setup allowed us to do that pretty quickly and very, very efficiently. So we've talked about data and we've talked about vision. The first, you know, two of the six pieces. Where should we go next? People. People. Let's do it. People. Pizza pie number three, people, right people, right seats, track or EOS or track. I always call it traction instead of EOS for, for whatever reason. I like it better too. <laughs> I'm a tire guy. <laughs> traction is the book, just for clarity for the listeners, yes. is, is the book that sort of takes you through the whole process of the entrepreneurial op- operating system right. or EOS. So yeah. If you're like me mm-hmm. and you're very bad at reading books, or, <laughs> I'm not trying to plug the book, but there's another book called What the Heck is EOS? Mm. And it, it's much shorter. So yes, it is. Yeah. If you're, not, if you're not a huge fan of reading, you can do that. Our whole agency is is currently reading that right now as, as we speak, because after our leadership team is, has read it. So yeah. The people component, right people, right seats. And Joel kind of mentioned it in the vision section, but another slogan that's used a lot is hire and fire around your core values and make sure that you have the right people doing the right job and that the seats associated with your organization structure is built to do what you want it to do. So the really big aspect for us is creating that accountability chart 
which I think I joked with you, Joe, on a previous conversation, as simple as having an org chart or an accountability chart, as they call it, is. I'm not sure we actually have, we, we did have one before we went down this path, but it was updated maybe every other year because some customer asked for it, you know, hey, show us your org chart because we need it for to certify you in our system or whatever. It's like, oh, shoot, like who still works here? We got to we got to update it now. So having the accountability chart and truly seeing how, you know, your your departments flow and what people are actually responsible for their responsibilities in those seats is a huge aspect. Making sure that the seat actually does what it's supposed to do and not just have some floating, oh, I, I, I need to hire another sales guy just because, or, or I need a marketing person because I think so, is something that I think really adds some definition to it. And I, I, will, I will readily admit that this was probably the most difficult section for me in our EOS traction journey. I, I didn't think we could do it. I, I was, and I didn't have to do it because I had to write, I have one person, I have one person who reports to me and I am me in my department. So it was, it was really easy for me, but it was so daunting to say that we're going to have an accountability structure and a written description for every person in the organization. It's and it's not, it encompasses something about their job responsibilities, but it's it's a lot more than that. It's their commitment to the organization. And and like Luke said, now we make every decision. When something goes sideways, he said, let's talk about the core values. Which which of the core values are they not holding up? Why did that cause a problem? And it does. And we're at the point now that we, we pick our vendors based on core values. If they don't adhere to our core value set, then it's going to be a problem. We know it. And we we fire customers. If, you know, we, we come close to it real recently with the biggest project we have going, you know, it's like we were uncomfortable with the safety commitment, but based on our core values, we just called a meeting and everybody got in that meeting from both sides and we expressed our concerns and totally appreciated it. And I don't think we'd have done that prior to, because it, it, I don't know, it just changes our whole commitment to each other. And so... And this is the right people, right seats is a big Jim Collins deal in his books. And it's so valid when, especially when you have the, the accountability all structured, it's just, it's cool. It's very different. Yeah, I agree. I, I love the right people, right seats thing. And thinking about as you create that accountability chart, not who is here right now at the organization and how we're going to find a role that makes sense for them, but instead thinking about where, what structure do we need for this organization to achieve what we're trying to achieve? And do we have the right people in each of those seats? And I think things you'll find are, well, this person's kind of in the wrong seat. I mean, we saw it recently in our agency where we had had someone move, take a horizontal move and they're now they're operating in, you know, Dan Sullivan talks about the unique ability, if you guys know, or familiar with that, but you know, there are all kinds of t names for it, but there's, you know, having people operating within their true skill sets and in a place where they're they're happy and they're creating value for the organization. I think it'll help you find those things. It'll also help you identify, I've seen a few already having just gotten started with EOS at our, our company, where we know there are seats that we don't have a, a person at this company right now in this seat that we kind of need. And, and so it helps us make a decision about, you know, some hires that are going to have to be on the horizon here. So... Yeah, I think that's cool. And, and you don't make sort of half-assed commitments either. You don't say, well, 
let's just put let's put this person in this job because it's better than nothing or whatever. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do it. If they don't hit the mark, then we're just we're not going to do it. And it's just like you said, Joe. I mean, the key ingredient is you get people in there doing things that they like to do and things. That, the more you can drive them into the quadrant, things they're good at and things they like to do, mm-hmm. and that's in line with what the organization needs. Man, then it just then you get the another Jim Collins term was one of my favorites. And then you get the flywheel rolling. So mm. once you get it moving, then you keep it moving, and then things take care of themselves. But it's really cool. A huge aspect of it too, and something that I struggle with that my I'll give a shout out to our implementer Joe Paulson has helped me with is elevating and delegating and making sure people do their job the right people you've got the right people in the right seats they can make decisions and do a good job you don't have to be the puppeteer from the top marionette man getting your hands and everything and i i struggle with that and he he continues to has continued to tell me over the years there's no dotted lines on your accountability chart of well this guy or gal reports to me but kind of reports over here it's like no where does the information and data go and who makes that decision there's there's one line and it goes everything spiders out into your accountability chart and we don't you know we don't have a huge organization but we have 70 plus people and it it gets big fast and you got to give people the power to make decisions and you also i have 13 people on my section of the accountability chart and that might sound like a few to some, but it grows into a lot of conversations and communications pretty fast when you can delegate that to other people managing and approving decisions and making their own decisions. It really helps. Absolutely. Well, we could probably talk about this one all day, but for the sake of keeping it going, let's, let's go to whatever is whatever, wherever we want to go next. We've, we've done data, we've done vision, we've done people. We got three more pieces of the pie to talk about here. You want to do issues or process next? We'll take process because issues is more interesting and that we can save that one. But the, the process to me, again, from the way I operate, the way I am, which is if a shiny thing goes by, I'm going to chase it and always dreaming and oh, there's something else going on and here's another big opportunity and I like this guy he's going to be my friend let's hire him and you know that so it, it's complete kind of opposite of me but the process is like the accountability it was totally dawning to me that we thought that we could document it even though for the last five years I've been preaching process over personality and stuff like that you know let's 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 get the folklore out of it let's get the the history and stuff like that, that everybody knows that get trying to weed that out and stuff like that. So then you just start documenting everything you do and you don't, it's not telling you to pick up this pen and write it this way. And to, it's, it's not a big picture on the process of who's responsible for it and how does it flow. And then work below that, you can have work steps and, and, you know, and, and work rules and stuff like that. But the general process and then you get the people just, then it ties right back to the people that buy in and then you get to elevate and delegate I and mean, let those people do the job, re- require them to do the job. And so that you keep doing the highest value work that you can do, that you can bring to the organization. You stay up at the, we talk about Joe Paulson's big on it. You talk about an accounting firm or a legal firm, you start making the $500 an hour decisions and let other people make the lower decisions. So you need to stay up high and, and do your job and let the other people do the other things and quit jumping on everything and taking care of it. So processes help you do it and you tie that back to the accountability and core values and it's easy. So, and it makes a dramatic difference and it will come up exactly. One of the reasons I wanted to do this before issues 
is because that's the fundamental problem with all issues in the organization, with 90 plus percent of the issues in the organization. When we get to that point, I'll explain it then. Sure. He took my teaser trailer for moving in from process to issues because I completely agree. The process component for us has been immensely helpful because you just write down, you're basically writing down how you perform for yourself and your customers successfully. It's the simple steps, not the, not the nitty gritty of this is what has to be done in order to be successful. And it's very easy to point to when somebody doesn't follow it and either retrain or regroup or rethink, or very easy to point to when things aren't working. You can tell you can, when things aren't working, you can ask yourself, well, are we following the process? And should the process be changed? Because maybe the process isn't right. What was my favorite quote from Flakes, Joel's old, old sales hoorah-rah guy, friend of ours, is your, your process is perfectly designed to give you the results that you're getting. And if your results suck, then your process probably sucks. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Flakes is Brian Flanagan. Look him up. He's, we're going to give him a full credit here, not just Flakes. Brian Flanagan, great motivator sales trainer. Beautiful. Which leads to issues. Yep. Number five, issues. Have at it. Issues, if I could make the pizza pie analogy again, this is like your deep dish Chicago style pizza. Guys, we're getting too close to lunch lunch here to talk about pizza. I'm, I'm, I think I know what I'm going to be having for lunch now. So anyway, continue. I'm after the new Detroit style pizza. Is that right? Yeah. We're going to have to Ish- talk about that one after the fact. Issues are the, the biggest issue on this pizza pie chart. Because somebody else will tell you, but I'll tell you right now that every company has a lot of issues, whether you're using EOS or traction or another tool or in and out or just running a business, you have issues every week. I will probably say that so EOS it has this huge component of bringing those to the surface and talking about them and IDSing them. You create a list of issues and you IDS it. That's a term that we use day in and day out now because of traction and IDS stands for identify, identify what the actual issue is, discuss, discuss it, lay out the facts, not opinions, but facts of the issue and solve the S is for solve, solve it. What is your, what is the root cause? What caused this issue? What is something we can do to solve it right now? Or in a more simple term, what is something we can try to do to make it better and see if it solves it and Maybe it goes away next week and we never hear about it again, or maybe it comes back and we IDS it again and figure out if we can solve it a different way. This is IDS is the most powerful tool that there is in the whole system, in my view. And it's the hardest one to do well, because everybody's predisposed to do things. You bring issues, you bring problems to your meeting, then you already know the answer to, but you don't. That's not the way it works. The works is you right now, what's the pain point? Just like Luke said, then you put the discussion up there and you, you go through everything that, what are the facts? Just throw them out there. And then you pick the one is most relevant to be the root cause. And when you do it like that, it works really powerfully and it's hard. You fall back because everybody comes in with, you know, that's the way Billy does you, whatever it is, you predisposed and everybody's like that. So this is something that you grow and get better. I mean, this is a tool that you just get better and better at and you find yourself falling back. But I guarantee you, just like Luke said that, And you go back to, if you've got your processes and you've got the right people, then the issue that that when you get down to the root cause, 
man, 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 the vast majority of the time, it's like, you know what? You know why that happened like that? Because we didn't have a good process for it. We did not define the process ahead of time or that person was not fully informed of that process. So it's either that or the other side is, why did that happen? Because we didn't follow the process. You may have it, but you don't follow it. So it's it's just really simple, you know, and that you spend more time listening them out and then you, by consensus, one of the few things that you really have to do by consensus, whoever's in your meeting to make that decision, whatever group or whatever has come in. But we solve problems like this face-to-face now. So, mm-hmm. you know, Luke and I have something that we're butting heads about or something that's bothering us about the organization. Well, you just, you just keep driving and talking about it till you get the root cause. And everything else is nonsense. You just, you worry about that later or, okay, I've, I've, I've taken that as far as I can. Is there anything else we need to do? No. Okay. And then we implement something to do, turn it into a to-do. You know, we hadn't really talked about that, which is coming up. This is a, we're really good at segueing this. Yeah, you really are. It's very natural <laughs> to go right into component. Anything else to add to the issues before we go to traction or. I just got something to add because it's kind of where I was leading into, but before, before I segued into Joel, Stealing the <laughs> but I will just say that issues are the huge Chicago deep dish pizza for me because like I said, everybody has them. Every company has them. Every person working in a company has them. We talk about them weekly and I will still say that we probably bury 30% of our issues because at the end of the year, you go to the big annual meeting and someone says, God pisses me off that <laughs> Joe does this every week. And it's like, and, and that's like, that's just hurting our businesses. Well, wh- why didn't you bring that up in January rather than, you know, now it's, oh, it's December now. It just frustrates me. And so there's, there's still those underlying things in our organization. But the fact that we bring up 70% of them now and talk about it, I think is, is a great thing. And, and I don't think, I don't think anybody's ever going to be 100% perfect because things tick you off or piss you off or just aren't big enough of a problem to just deal with when they probably should be dealt with anyways, just kind of comparing it to like compared to anything. It's if anybody listening to this podcast is married, you know, you have your, you have your issues with your spouse or your family and you, the big ones you, you talk through and some of the other ones you just kind of let boil over and get upset about. But the, I think the successful marriages and relationships talk about important issues that bother them and try to fix them. And the, the same could be said for companies out there. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, that's what you need. It might not hurt you now, but you're going to crash and burn a year from now or three years from now because you didn't solve something or just let it slide or, or someone's going to leave your company that you didn't want to leave or someone's going to, a competitor is going to take something from you because you're not addressing something. Yeah, we, I mean, that's that's something that I would give ourselves a big pat on the back. And Luke's been a big driver in this. We have a system that flags issues. I mean, if something goes wrong, it, it gets noted and it's it has to be presented to whatever group, whether it's operations, admin, sales. It, it has to go to that group and it has to come back handled some way or fashion. And and you want to do that. But, man, don't get the don't get the impression that this thing is strict set of rule sets because it's designed for entrepreneurs. And this is a deal that Gino Wickman just saw that like successful companies, the real successful companies had certain things in common that they handled in a certain way. And so that's what these things are all about. They're really guys, because you don't want to lose that 
that challenge spirit, that go try something new spirit and stuff like that. Because, you know, some of your processes might be as simple as like, turn the guy loose with a box of crayons and make him draw a picture. You don't tell him what to draw. Just give him the, give him the freedom. That might be your process, you know? I think one very important factor for anybody listening is that uh, issues is not a negative word. Absolutely. It's not a bad thing at all. And, and sometimes issues are informational or positive things. You know, I got, I got an issue. I got my box of crayons out and I invented this new thing. I was like, what do you guys think? Yeah, let's talk about it and maybe throw it into the system. So Issues can be opportunities as much as there are problems in your organization. Issues can easily sound like a negative word, but it should never be construed as tattling on someone or telling or pulling in an issue because something bothers you should be addressed rather than just hoping that it goes away. We still, I mean, we're three and a half years into it or something like that. And we're still have the deal like, well, I didn't want to raise that. I just took care of it. It's easier for me to just handle it. So it's like, man, that just, that just wrecks everything. Don't do that anymore. So we go to the traction, which is the tie-in right from issues. And the deal about issues is, well, you talk about, it says rocks on this little pie that I'm looking at, rocks and meetings. And those are two components. So you have scheduled meetings on a scheduled time frame, generally weekly. The leadership team meets once a week. You meet at the same time for the same duration with the same set agenda. And then you... That's the way everybody in the organization should generally meet. Our operations team meets at a specific day every week at a specific time with the same agenda, the finance admin. And that's where you sort through that. And it, it can't go over. And being on time is everything. If you're late, you are cheating everybody else in the organization, certainly in that meeting. So it gets strict and, and it becomes something that... that I was a real anti-meeting guy, but I really look forward to it. It's good. So you have meetings specific time and you deal with the things and you, you deal with your scorecard every meeting and everybody's got a KPI that they're looking at. You work with the data and issues or things are what you're taking care of. And rocks are big things that you have to do. That's major import items to your group, your section, your organization. That And those, you can't get that done in a week, right? So... That's a 90-day process. Sometime in the next 90 days, I'm going to do this for the organization. I'm going to build a new such and such. I'm going to have a prototype. I'm going to write a, a procedure for this or something like that. Something that's of consequence. And I'm going to produce a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and then whatever is smaller than that, which is how you handle most of the IDS when you have the solve equation, are to-dos. And so... You just delegate to do's. Okay, Joe, we found out that, you know, you're not flipping your lights off every night. So I need you to commit to turn your lights off every day or get Susie, delegate it, get Susie to turn your lights off and you leave every night. It doesn't matter. So to do's are just the action items that you do. And the next week, those to do's are, they're not just handed out saying, Luke, you go do this, Joel, you do this, Joe, do that. They're written down. And the next week, when you come to the meeting, you're like, well, Luke, did you turn your lights out every day? Uh, no, I didn't do that. No, I, I, I did. Or you say done. And if you didn't get it done, you usually get one get out of jail card free. And it's like, okay, you got another week. Can you get it done in the next week? Yeah, I can. Okay, I'll do it. And you commit to it. So it's just a level of commitment. And this is when you've got 
this is they like to talk about it in the book and our integrator our implementer talks about traction this is the part that's on the road this is the part that gets the flywheel going this is the momentum this is the quote traction that makes your business really rock and roll so this is this is this is where you tie it all together and it's fun it, it's a it's a good deal this is when you really make things happen you know, we, Gorilla, we, four or five years ago, we hired an outside consultant who did a great job for us and, and brought elements of, of the U.S. process into things we were doing. But we we committed back around the beginning of Q4 that to of last year to to doing Traction Pure. And we sort of kicked it off in December. And so we're, we're just kind of up and running with it now. But what I really love about these, you know, what's called the L10 meeting, which is what we're describing right now. Like for us, it's 8.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. every single Tuesday morning. And the, some of the pushback I had and my business partner had on on this whole Traction process like four years ago when we were thinking about doing it is it's like, it's too many meetings. It's too much time spent meeting. But what I have learned already from, you know, we've literally done three or four of these L10 meetings this year, we are accomplishing so much in these meetings. And so much time is actually being saved because we're all on the same page talking through this stuff. You know, a majority of that 90 minute meeting is spent on the IDSing, like going through that issues list and you prioritize the, the most important issues. And then you go through that IDS process, we identify them, you discuss them and you solve them and you walk out of there with solutions to all those things, the things can't, that can't get solved, you assign a to-do for somebody to work on it offline. And so I think it's one of the biggest probably hurdles people are going to have when they look at this process, they're going to say, ah, it's too much meeting. We don't have time to do all these meetings. You will save time. I can, I, I've been doing this for a month only, and I, I can promise you already that that's going to be the case. There is a slight cautionary tale that it, from our experience, and so I assume it happens elsewhere, is that you can do meetings, create meetings, and you, you try and seek consensus because that's the way your L10 meetings generally operate on sort of an attitude of consensus that you start seeking consensus for too many things sometimes. Remember that elevate and delegate and remember the spirit that got you to what you were, which is, you know, you're out there swashbuckling and winning. So you, you can tie yourself up a little bit if you're not careful and stuff like that. But the way out of that trap is we'd raise it in, a, in an L10 meeting and say, I've got too many meetings. And then you would sort it down and, and say, well, you're not delegating. So that's kind of solved itself, but it's a cautionary tale too. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Joe. Um, I have, I already have too many meetings, but my sales L10 and my leader, I'm in two, I'm in two L10s because I, I lead my sales team and I'm in, I'm on the leadership team. So that's three hours of my week right there. And sort of a little bit of kind of thinking and planning before and after. But like you said, same page goes a long way to saving you time uh, the other 37 hours of the week or however many hours I work. I, I think it's also kind of interesting to point out why they're called L10s. Yeah, I was, I, Joe kind of segued into that on the, the fact that you're getting value out of the meeting. I pulled up our agenda here. I guess I'll start with the end. At the end of every meeting, you conclude and you go over your to-dos and you say, got it. And that sounds really weird, but it works. Because people have, uh, if I say, Joe, I need you to turn your lights off this week. Got it? Joe says, got it. Got it. So, but now everybody, everybody on our meeting knows that Joe committed to doing that. So that, that sounds kind of corny and cheesy, but it goes a long way to people saying, I'm going to do this this week and you guys are going to hold me accountable. And next week when 
that person shows up and hasn't done it, you kind of get the evil eye stare and you know they're going to get it done the next week. So there's a lot of accountability there. The, but the conclusion, you you go through your to-dos and you you end with rating the meeting one to 10. And that's on how the meeting was run, the value you got out of the meeting. And your goal is to have a meeting that is a 10 out of 10 every time. If you have a 10, you just say 10. If you have anywhere between one through nine, you you give a little chip at what, what could we do to make the meeting better? I give this meeting an eight because I showed up late to this, this podcast meeting. Uh, if I did it again, I would show up on time so that I was more conscious to Joe and Joel's time. So you got your one get out of jail free pass, right? So you yeah, have to use that. Exactly. <laughs> but the, the, the agenda to an L10 that Joel said, he, he talked about rocks. Those are quarterly goals that each individual is accountable for. But the agenda is you check in, give a personal and a professional best. It takes five minutes to run through all 13 of the people on my sales team. And I, I can't tell you how powerful that is. It sounds simple and cheesy, but what's your personal best from last week and what's your professional best from last week? And I talked to most of my team throughout the week, but it really gives me a chance to learn about them as people. You know, I, my, my daughter learned to play guitar, or, you know, my daughter took her first steps or I got a cheeseburger, you know, so they, they personal best range from you know, I went hunting or I did this or I sat around and watched TV all weekend and that was just great. So it's a, it, it truly is a great way to continue to get a personal insight into your employees and people you manage. I think it's absolutely a, a way to build the whole system purposely builds camaraderie and closeness and openness in your organization. It, just, yeah. it does because you, you're naked in those meetings sometimes, man. You just... You've made mistakes and you have to own up to them to your cohorts, your partners, and you make commitments. And like Luke says, I mean, you started that meeting saying like, you know, I had the most wonderful weekend doing such and such. It's a personal deal. So I think it's this whole system creates just an esprit de corps and an openness and attitude in the organization. If you do it right, it's fantastic. It's really helpful. Because I'm bad summarizing, I'll just run through the agenda. There's the check-in, which just talked about. Then you go over your scorecard. Anything's off track, you put it on the issues list so you can discuss it later in the meeting. You do your rock review, which is everybody's quarterly goals. You talk through them and you ask if they're on track or off track. If they're off track, put them on the issues list. Don't talk about them now on why, you just say on track or off track. Go through your to-dos. All the to-dos to assign last week, ask if they were done. If they're done, they're done. If they're not, I don't know if this is actually EOS, but we give a one week get out of jail free card. But, you, you know, is it an issue? If it's not done, put it on the issues list. You go through your headlines. People headlines is what they call it. I, in my meeting, call it the good, the bad, and the ugly because I'm a big Clint Eastwood fan. And just, you know, good news, bad news from last week or really ugly news that needs to hit the issues list from, from every person on the meeting, not just the leader. And then you get to the bulk of the meeting 30 minutes on my sales meeting is IDS. So all of these issues talked about that people might not, you know, people come not wanting to bring issues. They bubble up in these headlines and scorecard and segue section and end up on your issues list. And you might have three and spend 30 minutes solving three or 10 minutes solving three. You might have 15 and spend 30 minutes solving the seven most important ones because you might not get to them all. And you just when the time runs out, the time runs out and you conclude your meeting. And if those issues are important next week, you solve them then because you spent 
you spent the 30 minutes fighting the fires that you need to solve and the other ones either aren't important enough to solve right now or the next week you bring them back up and someone's like, ah, it's not really an issue anymore. And you're like, all right, problem solved. It went away. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It, it, it really keeps you focused on doing what's the most important and stuff like that. So you can have 20 things, but you've got three rocks that are right in your face and six to do's or whatever. That's all you get to worry about. You, you can't get distracted with the other stuff and say, I didn't get to that because you've already told the world that those are your priorities. So and yep. it, it makes the productivity... It's pretty substantial when you get it working right. That's great. Well, guys, I want to put a wrap on this episode in a, in a couple minutes here, but can you finish by just telling me what impact, if you had to, to boil it down to you know a few things, what impact has doing this process, you know, running EOS inside of your business for a few years now had on your organization? Go ahead, Luke, because you're going to claim I stole your stuff if I go first. <laughs> <laughs> I think EOS is... Traction has truly, EOS has created traction in our organization. I'll I'll be the cheesy one that says that. But we are driving so much more momentum than we would have had because we have all the pieces of the pie we just discussed, which some are very simple and some aren't as, as simple as they seem when you start to do them. We're driving revenue growth as the sales manager. That's the easiest one to point out. We've grown revenue through using traction. I think it's brought us closer together as an organization and just have people that understand what we want to do and where we're going and care about the business and wear MacTech gear with pride because they like working for this organization. I think it's allowed us to truly create core values and share those with our employees and have people that want to work here and want to be a part of. I mean, I, I, I tend to call this a team rather than a business or group of employees. And there's people that want to be part of the Mac Tech team. And I think we've created that environment with this system and it's paid dividends for us with keeping people, retaining people, finding new people that want to help grow this business and have success in their own paycheck and account because of that. I think that's, those are great. And I would agree with Luke, especially I think it's, it's driven the Mac Tech brand dramatically over the last couple of years throughout our organization. And we're spelling it to the rest of the world as well. I just have to say that it also, it makes you really understand both the people involved in your organization and what they do in, in the sex organization. So you come to really understand what your strengths and weaknesses and how powerful it is. So in that case, if you're good at it, then you focus that, you know, you find the market opportunities that tie into where your strengths that have the right margins or whatever, and you can drive that direction rather than, you know, I used to run this business was like, I just told people, what do we do? You say, well, we do stuff for money. You know, if somebody's got some money, we'll, we'll do it for them kind of deal. And that doesn't work when you get a certain size and stuff. So I think it's about focus. I think it's about community. I think that's a word that I like a lot. I think like Luke calls it a team. I think we have a real community. And I think that includes our customers too, you know, and, and our vendors and stuff like that. And we reach out and it's just honest and open. And that's the, that's the real horsepower. I mean, there's a lot of rules and sets and, and guidelines and stuff like that. But, you know, you get everybody pulling the same direction, then you get a lot of, you get a lot of good stuff happening. Open and honest is a big I don't, is that a is that a EOS term or a Joe Paulson term? I, I don't know, but it's it's one that we live by, and it's one that I can't tell everybody enough times to do it. About as powerful as it gets being open and honest with 
your employees and your business. I'm looking, I'm looking at our Italiano pizza pie here and your data, you're open, you're sharing your data with your employees and yourselves on keeping your scorecard, your process, you're, you're open and honest about how you do things, your issues, obviously you're open and honest with the, the issues that are bugging you or holding you back or keeping you from being successful, your people. You're open and honest about hiring and firing and having the right people in the right seats and your vision, eight questions shared by all the VTO we talked about. You're open and honest. You're telling everybody in your organization where you're going to go and how you're going to get there. All of that creates drum roll traction. 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 Exactly right. It's, that's that's a great description. I should, I should get like five cents every time I say it on this podcast or something. Or everybody take a shot. Yeah. Like they could work work out a deal with EOS worldwide, you know. It seems right. fair to me. If they knew, yeah, I'm sure that'll come up as widely broadcast as your blog is. <laughs> well, guys, this was awesome. Great conversation today. Really appreciate you doing this. I was hoping you could tell our audience the best way to get in touch with you and where they can learn more about MacTech. Marketing guys should know MacTechonsite.com. MacTechonsite.com, right? And MacTech is spelled M-A-C-T-E-C-H, correct? O-N-S-I-T-E. We'll list that in the show notes as well. So you can click through and see what these guys are doing. Really impressive the way you guys are running your organization. I think that's probably apparent to everybody after having listened to this episode. So congrats on what you've been able to accomplish. I mean, yeah, more so than getting business. We enjoy talking to other businesses and people that do things differently or, you know, working together with second, one of my like partner businesses that just our entrepreneurial or looking for growth in nature is something we always enjoy doing. And even, I think I'm a big proponent and I Joe know you, you are because you have this podcast of just people learning from each other and mm-hmm. finding fun and interesting ways to add growth and business and having a little bit of fun while you, while you work and do your day job. Yeah, I agree. That's totally, I, the one, if I have a closing piece of advice is if you're going to consider doing EOS, you read the book or read the, what the heck is EOS, talk to people that have done it. But if you're going to do it, man, go all in, get in the, get in the water. Don't think you can kind of wade into it and do a little bit of time. We did that and we learned how to do some meeting stuff, but if you really want, if you really want the impact, it's painful and it's long. It takes a while to get there at sometimes, but man, jump in that pond. It's a good one. Good advice. And I'd, I'd agree from my experience so far. So Joel Wittenbreaker, Luke Wittenbreaker, look them up on LinkedIn, look at MacTechOnSite.com to see what they're doing. And guys, thanks for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. Awesome. You bet. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. <laughs>